On this edition of Oski Talk, we talk about head coach Lovey Smith's response to the Black Lives Matter protesting, as well as a plan for athletes to come back on campus and the entire Big Ten to return come football season. Let's get right into it. This won't end well for Illinois. Here's a three. It ended well. McCourt for the win. In the air. It is up. And it is good. Fourth and 16. Pressure comes. And Matt Orbebe with a ball in the air. Makes the catch. Yes. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Oski Talk. My name is Anthony Pasquale with Patrick Catazone, and today we've got a pretty busy show scheduled ahead, and we'll start right off with what head coach Lovey Smith had to say in response to some of the Black Lives Matter protests. Yeah, uh, Lovey was a guest on um, Mike Tirico's show, um, Lunch Talk Live on NBCSN, and um, Lovey had a couple of uh, of stuff to talk about. First, he talked about some of his life experiences saying, um, a lot of life experience, Mike, uh, have prepared me for this moment. When I say life experience, I'm a 62-year-old black man from the South in a biracial marriage. So Marianne and I have had an awful lot. I got a chance to lead men for all di- from all different places, all different nationalities. And as you mentioned, life skills do come up. As football players and coaches, we live in a cocoon a lot of times where the real world doesn't really touch us. We teach, we develop, we talk after developing the man first, and then we develop the football player. As we look, Mike, at what's going on right now in our society, I've always encouraged our players to be involved in what's happening in your normal world, your normal life. I think the first thing that is really special, and if you watched um, the the interview we did with Mike Tirico, I think it comes out right away, is that he makes it very clear and he said this from day one that he wants to develop men that it's not always about football and a big shame I think about being a football coach in the NCAA is that a lot of it a lot of times it's about winning not necessarily about the character of your players and and making your you know your players feel good about who they are and and what they can do and and growing men and that's one thing that Lovey Smith from day one has said that was going to be his mission. And I think when you see some of the alumni that we have, um, football alumni, um, it it's certainly true that he's done that. Yeah, and you look at a, a program like Illinois, and it, it's not like a Clemson or an Alabama that's just going to win year after year. To be successful, you have to build the program. And part of building the program is building an environment where all people from all certain facets of the world, every color, every religion are welcome and not only welcome on the team, but welcome as a person in the locker room. And I think that's something that Lovey Smith has been able to really accomplish at Illinois. And another thing to mention off of that is it's not just him. You know, a lot of coaching staffs are primarily white and Illinois boasts the most diverse coaching staff in the NCAA from top to bottom. And it starts up top with Lovey Smith and I think he's displayed great leadership over the last week when, you know, leaders are absolutely necessary. 
Moreover, I talked about protesting. I talked to our players about having the right to protest. That's great. That's what college life is all about in a peaceful manner. But then what else do you do? And that's where we are right now. What else can we do to make football better and make the world better? So I think that just moreover talking about how important it is in Lovey in Lovey's coaching and, and coaching philosophy to be the better person, a better man afterwards. And I think truly that is what he has accomplished. And I think down the road, I mean, we went six and seven last year. That's a huge improvement in Illinois. We haven't done that in a long time. And this year, um, hopefully we play. Hopefully we get to um, COVID doesn't stop us. But this team is looking potentially like an eight, nine win team. And then after that, it's kind of questionable. So I think it's important too for Josh Whitman to consider that the fact that Lovey has been doing his part in, in making better men. And it's, it's just too bad that say if Lovey has two or three bad seasons, despite the fact that his players are, are better um, people and, and, you know, have, have grown and, and shown that, that he might still get fired, but that's just the reality of the NCAA, unfortunately. Yeah. And, and I think you bring up a good point is, you know, you've, whether it's a, a player on the Bears from when he coached the Bears or the Buccaneers or anybody on this current Illinois team, you'll never find one guy who said they didn't absolutely adore playing for Lovey Smith. He's the type of guy that brings locker rooms together. He unites people, and to his point, from all different facets of the earth. And I think, like you said, he's doing a great job of doing that, whether or not the product on the field has been great, but as it looks right now, they're trending in the right direction. And we've seen people on, on Twitter or you know, broadcasting about whatever saying that if you're looking for the, the prototypical blueprint of what a college program should look like, coaching staff-wise, diversity-wise, you look no further than Illinois' locker room. Um, and to go piggyback on what Lovey Smith said, in terms of the protests, I think he hit the nail on the head. It's great to protest doing these interviews and releasing statements and all that, but it has to be more than just words. It has to be actions. And I think starting with the way he leads a clubhouse, that that's the way this whole thing should go. Yeah, he had, he has something more to say about that as too. He says, I see a lot of people protest. Protests are good. Then what do you do? It's like there's a death and a funeral and everybody leaves. And the next day after the funeral, everybody goes home. What I'm going to insist on, first off, all of our guys register to vote. But that's just a part of it, registering to vote. Be informed. If you don't like what's going on right now, and we in America have acknowledged that we don't like what's going on right now, we have to look at first our leaders, the policies that he has in place, Congress, local government. This is how uh, you have true change. And for us, it's great to get back to make sure uh, people, uh, they are informed. I think we all know right now, we all know right now from wrong. We've all been taught that. And I think most of us really do know right from wrong. That's what we've been uh, preaching. We are going to continue to do uh, do that with our program. There's diversity and that's the way you make real change is to come together. Diversity does that. So I think, you know, a great statement, obviously, again, uh, reiterating his point. But I think a, an important part of that is, you know, the civil duty is something that personally, I don't think that 
all education systems preach that you have a civil duty to register vote and do that. So I, I just think that's just another great additional point that you made that, you know, there's, there's more stuff that you can do than, than just protest. You know, voting is an important part of that. Donating money is an important part of that. There's, there's more you can do within your own life than just, you know, what we see on TV right now. Yeah, and like you said, it, it's more than just registering. It's voting and having an informed vote, being educated on policies and, and backgrounds and things like that. And, you know, I think more coaches and more people in leadership, whether it be, you know, teachers, professors, coaches, counselors, should be instructing the youth that way, not telling them how to think, but telling them how to form their own opinions. Absolutely. And that- that's like we said. I I feel like we're we're beating down the point, but it's it's creating great character, you know, great character in men and 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 being men. I think um, you you look at this team, and we've had the privilege to be able to talk to a lot of players. And any time that we've been in the media room, that's certainly true. You know, it's everyone. They know what they're talking about. They know how to talk to the media and and how to you know be good citizens. Yeah, and that's exactly right. I think Josh Whitman has the entire athletics department um, kind of on the right track in that regard, and, and Lovey Smith is is no different. Kind of moving on, this week is a pretty big week for Illinois in terms of getting past COVID-19. Obviously, these um, protests and, and matters of social justice come first in everybody's mind, but this week was the week that athletes were supposed to start their staggered return to campus starting on June 3rd. We're here today on the 7th talking. This will be released on the 8th about the these players returning to campus, getting their workouts back. And before you know it, we should be almost full rosters back working toward a season that hopefully starts on time. Yeah. Um, they started moving um, some player athletes in um, June 3rd, but they're staggering it to make sure that, you know, there's, um, a safety to it. They're getting tested. Like we mentioned on an earlier episode, um, right away. So, you know, it's going to be very transparent the way that they do this. Um, they're going to try and ensure the safety of of their students. And I think it's going to be a little, sadly, probably a little bit of an experiment too, to see if they could bring back, um, all, all students come this fall, but hopefully, and you're praying for that that this happens that players return safely and and they can resume activities again. Yeah, and um, I know we've said this on previous episodes, but it it seemed like one of the most thorough plans um, made by any university, and it also seems like a plan that cut out room for error. Like they know it's not going to be a perfect return. They know there's a possibility that a player or a coach or a trainer might get the virus and they have planned what to happen if that happens. Um, but I also think if it works smoothly and there's no bumps that this could be the blueprint of how to get 40,000 or however many students there are at Illinois all back on the same campus come August. And, and then if that's the case, kudos to Josh Whitman. Yeah, there's and and the athletic staff as well. Cause you know, uh, yeah, it's, it's more than him. It's more than him. Um, you know, uh, they talked a lot with trainers and what they were going to do. And I, I think you're right. The most important part of the plan was realistically this, this period of time where they're going to send players home, um, right. to ensure the safe, their safety. First of all, to make sure if, if they did something wrong, 
how they they patch up those holes um, in their plan to be more comprehensive and, and and further ensure the safety of players. That was the most important part. Um, but I I just think that hopefully you create a bubble in the community in this Champaign Urbana area area where people are safe, um, students are safe, student athletes certainly obviously very important are also safe they're going back first there is there's a lot of risk in doing that too um so i i think at this point it's it's hope for the best and hope that the plan works and um we'll we'll come back in a month and see where we're at yeah and i mean comparing it to other sports it i mean this situation is better than baseball that is arguing about money instead of trying to get the players on the field as quick as possible you know, like the NBA has a playoff plan in place, so does the NHL, but I think college football is going to be a huge domino effect to fall too. And if this plan for Illinois seems to be like the plan that could get athletes, student athletes and students everywhere back on campus, it, it'll it be a great step moving forward for the country, I think, in terms of leaping this hurdle that is the pandemic. Absolutely. And, um, on that note, I think we're going to move on to our, our final topic before we get into aligning of the week. Um, I proposed on Twitter about two weeks ago an idea for the Big Ten to play football. And I, I feel like I didn't have the best opportunity to completely air out my plan on Twitter. So I thought I might as well. Uh, we might as well discuss it here on Oski Talk. The plan is this. Cancel all non-conference games have every Big Ten team in their own division play all of their opponents home and away. Winner of the two divisions play for the championship game. So, I got mixed reviews. A big problem, I think, in when it comes to playing football this fall is, one, it, it's almost a necessity to have it because athletic departments are not going to have revenue from their other sports to keep those sports alive, let alone right. football. So I think, it's, it's almost necessary to have football yeah. from, a, from a, a financial standpoint. And that's where it gets shaky because are we are you putting money over the players? You hope not. But is is that what we're doing? That makes you think. Anyways, well, it, it's not exactly putting money over the players, but it's the fact that you need football to have players of literally every other college sport. Like, you need the revenue that comes in from football to afford having a baseball, a softball, a diving, a tennis, a vol- like, all of that. You need football and basketball to make enough money that all those other teams... So if you want to say you're putting money over the players, I guess you're putting money over the football players, but you're valuing all those other players, too. So that's that's one of the questions I think that is is out there of, of the, you know, how morally right is 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 playing football this summer. But regardless, let's get into this plan. Um, cancel all non-conference games. Here's the problem with that. There are some non-conference teams that rely on Illinois money to play. Illinois State being one of them that we're playing this year. UConn, I think we're also paying, but that game might be canceled for other reasons. Um I think that that's a big issue right there. Only a big issue there is that you might be hurting non-conference teams, but I still think that universities could pay those non-conference teams and still not play them. 
to ensure their safety and still support those smaller schools as well. Yeah, that that's a possibility also. Um, but you you also kind of count on that revenue to come in to pay them. And if we're not going to have fans, which seems like a possibility, how are we going to be able to afford to pay UConn and not even play them? You know what I mean? Right. Well, yeah, that's the thing. Well, I think that TV revenue hopefully will help then. Um, unfortunately, the marketing team at U of I hasn't come up with the plan, I think. I don't know how to, how to phrase that of how they're going to have fans in, but it, it might be only um, um, season ticket holders. It might be, you know, we'll see. It, it'll be interesting, and we'll talk about it when it comes up. Back to this plan. Every big time team plays their division home and away. So you play Northwestern, Minnesota, Nebraska, Iowa. Um, oh, I can't, I can't believe I, I'm forgetting the rest. Um, Purdue. Um, Wisconsin. There we go. Got them all. Um, <laughs> took me a minute there, but we got them all, um, play them at Memorial stadium and then play them away. Winner of those, um, of the division would play in the championship game. That one's obvious, but I think that the home and away idea would be just kind of fun to play every team twice. It creates a you know total matchup. Um, and essentially what that does is it creates a bigger bubble that would, help lit, limit COVID, say that um, other universities like Iowa State or Ar- Arkansas, which came out with a, a plan that they're not testing their players unless um, they show symptoms, you know, that's bigger risk. So if you, you can limit that risk of ha- having your players get um, COVID-19 by just playing the Big Ten West division. So that yeah. that's that's why the plan is, is the plan. Yeah, like if... I mean, here here's a way to think about it to really just like bring it down to the base level. The virus spreads like on contact pretty much or through droplets, sneezing, coughing, talking, any of that stuff. But and you're safest if you're in contact with the least amount of people. So if you play the same teams and all those teams are playing the same teams and no one has it, no one's getting it. But if one person has it and all those teams are playing the same teams, then a lot of people in that conference are going to get it. But, but like to your point, you're eliminating your travel. You don't have to travel all the way to UConn and come back, encounter all those people, and then play a Wisconsin or and then play a Purdue. You're just taking on the teams close to you. That's the least amount of travel, the teams you're going to be in contact with the most anyway. And, and that's pretty much how you decide the winner of the Big Ten as it is with the two winners of the division facing off anyway. So I I don't know. I'm in favor of it. I think it, it would keep players safer, and it, it would be good for marketing, especially in the Big Ten. you got all those rivalries twice instead of just once. So I, I'm with you. I like it. Yeah, that's that's the only thing. And, and some people are like, well, does that really stop the spread or – you know, is there really that much risk? I think absolutely. I mean, you look what what the NBA is doing right now. They're just playing in, in Disney um, to limit the spread of where their players go and, and spread around them, um, just create a bubble and, and play in that bubble. And I frankly, I think that that's the best plan for the Big Ten. Um, there was another idea to not just play your division home and away, but you just the Big Ten would just play themselves. Um, 
That works would, too. Which would mean, um, was it three cross division games? I think no, six. Excuse me, six cross division games. Um, so that'd be a good idea too. Um, you're creating a little bit of a bubble. I just think that playing within the division would just looking at the Big Ten East and say every conference did that. The SEC West. That would just be fun to watch. Frankly, I just think yeah. it'd be it'd be really good football. Um all the time and you know it might hurt the lower divisions but i think you have to think of the player safety first that's what needs to be in in the top of every ncaa executive's mind is player safety and i'm not sure that that's where their head's at i can't speak to that but this this plan is eliminating so much risk Mm -hmm. in the big 10 that i think it's worth it yeah, and before we move on to the Illini of the week, I just want to say one more thing about that. Um, the the East is a little bit more talented than the West, and it's been that way for, for quite a while in the Big Ten. So if you're Illinois, you, you know you don't have to play your Penn States and your Ohio States until the championship. So you know Illinois might catch a little bit a little bit of a break there too. Yeah, exactly, and and. Uh, maybe I know. I think it it really brings it. It make the Big Ten a little bit more competitive. You see a team twice. Obviously, you're going to be able to make adjustments. And with a, a coach like Lovey Smith, who has had so much NFL experience, has played teams twice. And for the Bears, he's played um, within the the NFC North divisions, home and away every year. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that gives Illinois a, a nice, ad, a little advantage there. And, um, you know, I'm not coming from a place where I want to see Illinois maybe win 10 games and, and maybe fulfill that, what I think they'll do and, and win nine games. I just think that it, it, it limits risk. Yeah, and I think you're absolutely right. And before we let you all go here on Oski Talk, we are going to award the Illini of the Week. He's a running back for the football team. And when I say that, you probably think Reggie Corbin or Dre Brown. But no, it's Rayvon Bonner. Pat, let's hear why he wins. Yeah, Rayvon Bonner was one of the first Illini student-athletes to demonstrate uh, in his hometown near Cincinnati. So we wanted to give Illini of the Week to him. Congrats to Rayvon Bonner. Congratulations to Rayvon. And that'll do it for this edition of Oski Talk. Thank you all for listening. For Patrick Catazone, I'm Anthony Pasquale. We will see you all next Monday. ILL. I and I.